You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual Hey everybody, welcome to the Savage Lovecast. Uh, I am Dan Savage and I am sitting in a hot and sweaty room with the tech-savvy at-risk youth who bring you with me, the podcast, every week. Before we get to your calls, a little shout out there to everybody who marched against Prop 8 and here is your next assignment. Uh, Maybe you heard about a day without the gay or a gay without the day uh, coming up on December 10th. That's one of the protests where all gay people are supposed to call in sick and not go to work. Um... It's an okay idea. I think this is a much better idea. Project Postcard, launched by the LGBTQ Civil Rights Front. Uh, what they want you to do is send a postcard to Barack Obama at his presidential transition office, asking him, please, to make good on all the promises he made to the gay and lesbian community during the campaign, including his promise to repeal DOMA, or the Defense of Marriage Act. As Glenn Greenwald writes on Salon, Barack Obama very specifically and for years uh, indicated that he was an opponent to DOMA. He said it during the campaign. Joe Biden said it during the vice presidential debates. Barack Obama promised to repeal DOMA in his open letter to the gay and lesbian community during the election campaign. And he won by a landslide. So this isn't some shock or surprise. This is something that America has signed off on. It's part of Barack Obama's mandate. If America didn't want a president who'd promised to repeal DOMA, they should have voted for the pasty white raisin guy and not Barack Obama. But, you know, we got to put some steel in the spines of Democrats all the time. So a postcard. Here's the address you need to send it to. A postcard saying, keep your promise, repeal DOMA, to Barack Obama at Presidential Transition Office, the Kluzinski Federal Building. There's a lot of Polacks in Chicago. I'll spell that for you. The K-L-U-C-Z-Y-N-S-K-I Federal Building. 230 South Dearborn Street, 38th floor, Chicago, Illinois, 60604. Get that postcard in the mail um, for me, for you, for your kids if they're gay, for your kids if they're not, for your uh, fag friends and lesbian friends who would like to get married. Let's hold Barack Obama accountable. Let's make him keep his promises to the queers. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus a free gift with most purchases, please visit adamandeve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hey, Dan. Got a question. I'm in a dilemma. I'm married, and I just found out that uh, before I got married that my uh, wife used to have sex in the back of a car, police car, and and had a threesome and you know, I, I've been trying to deal with it, and we've been married three years, and I've been knowing about it for a long time, and and I haven't had the opportunity to really, you know, be wild and free like that myself, uh, having to raise two younger brothers because my mom and dad were never there. But, um, I mean, I don't know what to do. I, don't, I mean, I love her, but I it's just killing me, you know. But I would love to do something like that. But I'm married now, and I only had probably about five women in my whole life. And uh, I always fantasize about doing crazy shit like that now, but I don't want to act on it. 
seems to me that you need to have a conversation with your wife uh, where you say exactly what you've just said to us. You're a bit jealous. She had all these wild times and these wild experiences. Doesn't sound like you resent her for having had those wild times and wild experiences. You're not calling because you're shattered because she presented herself to you as some sort of, you know, lily white virginal lady and you married her and now you learn she has this dark past and you just aren't attracted to her anymore as a result. I get those calls and letters all the time. Um, That's not the problem here. The problem is she got to take a long walk on the wild side and you, because of uh, doing the right thing by your brothers, you didn't. And you're jealous. You're not angry. Uh, You don't want to undo this marriage. You don't feel lied to. You don't say anything like that. You just want a little bit of what she got. So tell her that. Tell her that this sexually adventurous side of her, you want to bring that back out and you want to go on some of those sexual adventures with her. She had three ways. You've only been with five women. You guys can have some three ways together and you can be with some more women with her. I'd encourage you, since you have access to the internet, obviously, to look into swinging and see if that's something that the wife might be into. And it depresses me when I hear people say, I would love to do something like that, but I'm married. As if marriage always and everywhere precludes uh, sexual adventures and new experiences and the occasional new partner. It does not necessarily exclude those things. Sometimes the circumstances of marriage uh, can. You know, if you have kids, you have young kids, it's really hard to, uh, you know, bring in the circus animals and the trapezes and the guest uh, stars because logistically that's impossible and kids don't need to and shouldn't see that, uh, in my opinion. Um, But marriage doesn't mean that... All opportunity and all excitement and all new experiences are shut down for you forever. Marriage should mean people wonder why marriages fail. So long as we define marriage as the end of all possibility and new enjoyment and new experiences, no wonder people uh, weasel their ways out of them. I don't regard my marriage as the end of all fun. I regard my marriage as my partner in crime. That's my husband. He's my partner in crime. We tear it up together. So again, getting back to what I said at the top, talk to the wife. Not mad at her, not jealous. You just want to have some of the wild times that she had and you want to have them with her. Hey Dan, my boyfriend and I, we've been seeing each other for about six months and we want to first get tested together. And we've been monogamous first off and we want to get tested together. And, you know, we're pretty sure that we're clean, but science will improve it. So that's why we're getting tested. And, after that, we want to bear back, but I, I'm wondering, like, I've heard from different people, you know, oh, well, you know, I, you know, after my boyfriend and I were seeing each other for a month, we started barebacking, or after my boyfriend and I, was, you know, we're seeing each other for a year, we started barebacking. Like, I don't know, what, what's, when's the best time to do that? I mean, obviously to reduce the, um, the uh, cause of HIV infection. I was talking to a friend the other day, a young guy, a gay guy in his mid-20s, who was dating this guy, and they were together for a while, and the relationship ended and ended badly, as it turns out, because, you know, after a few months together, they'd stopped using condoms. They'd both tested, stopped using condoms. And uh, a few months after they stopped using condoms, um, my friend learned that his uh, boyfriend, who he thought he could trust, was having unsafe sex with other people. Just goes to show that you never know, that a month is too soon. I have bareback sex with my partner. Uh, We tested uh, at two years and dropped the condoms at two years when I really felt that I knew 
that I could trust him and not just trust him not to cheat on me. But here's the real trick with uh, negotiated safety, which is what this is. When it's a situation where a couple makes a commitment to be monogamous or fluid bonded monogamous and uh, tests and stops using condoms, that's not barebacking as understood by the idiots on Craigslist who are fetishizing risk and uh, and transmission of HIV. That is negotiated safety where it's normalcy, not barebacking. Condoms aren't natural or normal. Uh, and if you've both tested uh, and you're being safe and responsible and or being monogamous, not necessarily uh, – you can be safe and responsible and not monogamous and vice versa. You're not fetishizing risk and danger. You're just having a normal sex life. But here's the trick. Here's the thing that you have to be able to do in a negotiated safety situation. You have to commit and he has to commit – to disclose to each other if either of you cheats and when you cheat. If you have a slip-up, you have to be, you know, say you guys negotiate safety, stop using condoms, you get drunk or you go out of town or something happens and you have sex with somebody else uh, and you have unsafe sex with somebody else. You have to be able to go to him and tell him the truth so you guys can return to using condoms until you've tested all over again and gone through the process all over again. You have to make that commitment to him. He has to commit not to break up with you if you disclose that to him. That's the real hard part because if you know, you know, if you slip up and you know that if you tell him the truth and go back to using condoms that you're going to get dumped, that doesn't give you much of an incentive to tell the truth, does it? And it bo applies both directions. He has to be able to tell you if he cheated and you have to promise him you won't dump him if he tells you that. And think about what that means. You know, he cheats, men cheat, gay men, it's really easy to cheat because men are pigs. Think about what that means to, to be able to, to disclose, to, what it means if he comes and tells you that he cheated on you with somebody else and wants to go back to using condoms. That means he's, despite the error he made, despite, uh, you know, the commitment that he violated, he's putting your health and safety first. He's doing the right thing thing. And if you turn around and dump him for that, you're disincentivizing doing the right thing in a circumstance where if he does the wrong thing, you your health could really be very seriously imperiled. Now, I don't think in just a couple of months you can know someone well enough and trust them well enough to make those kinds of commitments. Uh, well, I think you can make those kinds of commitments. I don't think you can have confidence in those commitments at a couple of months. I really don't feel like someone has fully revealed themselves, uh, their character and their potential character flaws, uh, when you're still not farting in front of each other and nobody is at a month or two months or three months. I really think negotiated safety is something that you should hold out. It should be a down-the-road thing. It should be right up there with moving in together, which is not something you do at a month or two months or three months. It's something you do at a year or two years. Same for negotiated safety. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle, including a great selection of toys, lingerie, and movies. 10 million customers love the quality, the fast, and discreet shipping, and the 100% satisfaction guarantee. Visit AdamandEve.com today and receive 50% off most any item of your choice, plus a free gift with a purchase of $17 or more. That's AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hi, uh, my name's Kate, and I am a 20-year-old straight girl. Um, so, I have a complicated situation. Basically, I have a fuck buddy. Started out, like, just sex, and the sex is amazing. Best sex I've ever had in my life. Um, but, you know, it's just sex. He had a, he has a sort of girlfriend who he lives with, but he is allowed to sleep with other people. Um, and I was totally fine with this, and, uh, you know, 
we we can talk about about sex and about what we're interested in, and there's never any like like we just chat about what we'd be comfortable with. We're really open with each other, and it's great. Um, the trouble is that now I've started to fall for him. Um, you know, a couple of things happened, and he showed me that he's a really sweet, like, honest, genuine guy. And uh, we have a lot of fun together, even when we're not having sex. And, uh, like, you know, this last weekend, we went out of town, and we, like, spent a couple of days in this cabin in the middle of nowhere, and it was such a good time. And... I kind of posed that hypothetical, you know, if things were different, like, would you date me? And we had a really kind of honest conversation about it. Like, okay, well, if we were dating, then this is, you know, how things would have to be different than they are now and so on and so forth. And, but it didn't obviously lead to, you know, him being like, oh yeah, so I'm going to leave my girlfriend and you should date me. I just don't know if if that's ever going to happen, if I'm just setting myself up to get hurt. You know, I... I'm fine with the fuck buddy situation at the moment, mostly. Like, it kind of sucks, but the sex and the companionship make up for it. But I just don't know if I should just let it go until I hit the point where it's not worth it anymore, or if I should just tell him and be like, hey, you know, I really want to date you. Complicated problem. Oh, we get a lot of calls like that. This is not one of those calls. This is not a complicated problem. You describe the other woman, this uh, woman that he lives with, as his sort of girlfriend. I'm curious, and I tried to call you back but couldn't get you, curious if that's how he describes her. I'm curious if that's how he described her to you. I'm curious if that's how he describes her to his friends. I'm curious how he describes you to her and how he describes her to her. I'm thinking it might not be sort of girlfriend. I think she might be his primary partner, his actual girlfriend, the woman with whom he lives, um, and has a commitment that precludes or overrides whatever commitment uh, he has to you. Now, you can shove all your chips onto the middle of the table, and that's what you need to do. You need to say to him, my feelings for you are really strong. This isn't a fuck buddy thing for me. I can't do the fuck buddy thing with you uh, because I'm going to get hurt-er, more hurt than I am now because you're hurt now because you went in for fuck buddies and you're falling in love, and if you can't have him, you're going to be hurt. And it sounds like you might not be able to have him if she's more than a sort of girlfriend. But here's what you do for your own sense of sanity, for your own self-esteem, uh, for your own future. You shove your chips in the middle of the table and you say, if you want to keep seeing me, if you want to keep fucking me, if you want to explore what we could have together, I need you to date me and date me only. I need you to leave your sort of girlfriend for me. I need to be first. Obviously, you're down with a situation uh, that uh, – obviously, you're down with uh, – an open relationship potentially down the road or in the future that being with you doesn't necessarily mean that he'll have to be monogamous, but you got to call his bluff. If he's in love with you and you're in love with him, he's got to be with you. If he's not, you need to know that now so you can cauterize this wound and walk away and go find somebody who doesn't have a sort of girlfriend at home and who wants you to be his actual girlfriend. Hi, Dan. Um, Some friends told me about this thing, and I decided to look it up on the internet. And seriously, I actually found it, that pee hole fucking. Dan, what is this all about? Like, is it for real? Is it pleasurable? Anyway, the first thing I saw, I saw a guy doing it to himself with toys, and then I was so shocked. I went and I checked it out, and there was actually women getting fucked in their pee holes, too. And I just, 
I just, I like, I don't know. Can this possibly be safe? Is it a usual kind of thing? And like, how do you go about, how do you go about doing that? I mean, I don't know. I was just so shocked. So I was hoping you can help me out with that one. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. I think we can reasonably say, we can assert that if you can find pictures of it online, that it's safe and everyone's doing it. Next question. Um, it's called sounding when you do it with toys. They're long, skinny metal rods, uh, some bigger than others. You can stretch out the urethra uh, to the point where you could actually work a dick into it if that's really what you want to do um, on a woman or a man. Uh, is it dangerous? Uh, if you do it ineptly, yes. Uh, if you don't know what you're doing and you're sticking metal rods uh, up your urethra and into your body, you can really seriously harm yourself. Uh, if you're giving blowjobs and you don't know what you're doing, you can asphyxiate. Every sex act has potential negative consequences. If you're having vaginal intercourse and you don't know what the fuck you're doing, you can impregnate, which can be inconvenient uh, and life-disrupting. Uh, as life-disrupting as, say, getting a metal rod stuck in your prostate or stuck in your uh, urethra. What's the thrill? Well, humans are infinitely perverse, and the thrill of any particular sex act is not going to be universally appreciated. Um the thrill for some with sounding is that you can stimulate the inside of the prostate from inside the prostate. There's also the symbolism of the dick that is supposed to be the thing that you fuck with actually being the thing getting fucked. The penetrative organ being itself penetrated. And that kind of perversity and reversal arouses some folks. What can you do? Uh, you can lube up that metal sound before you jam it up your dick. That's what you can do if that blows your vote. As for... Uh, P-hole fucking of ladies uh, with more than sounds uh, with uh, penises. That's just that sort of crazy fucking psycho male OCD degradation of women thing uh, that, you know, you, when you describe it like that, it sounds like you're condemning it. I'm not necessarily condemning it. Um, if the woman likes it and the dude likes it and the dude's doing it with a woman who likes it, then even if what's motivating it is coming from someplace kind of dark, uh, and it involves some form of eroticized degradation. If everybody loves it, then it's love and lovemaking. Um, whatever sort of uh, loamy, uh, shitty soil uh, that little beautiful flower grew in. Um, and that's really all I have to say about P-hole fucking. I actually uh, haven't had lunch yet. I'm going to have lunch after we finish taping the podcast. And I need to put some distance between P-hole fucking and uh, lunch. So I'm going to drop this subject right now. Hey, Dan. My name's Faith. I just wanted to call you to let you know that you're amazing. And I didn't take your advice that you've given to so many people about not faking it because I never had before and I was just getting really bored and it was taking way too long and I had already came once. So, I don't know. I just to amuse myself. I faked it and led my boyfriend to believe that he made me come three times at once. And that was about a month ago, and he is not over it yet. He thinks that if I don't come three times, then it wasn't good. And he thinks that he's a man. And I just want to say that you were right, and you're awesome. I like being right as much as an ex-advice uh, peddler. But... You don't even say, you don't ask me a question. You don't ask for any advice. Like, how do you walk this back? You've only been with this guy a month. 
you know, maybe too soon to disclose that you faked it a couple of times for shits and giggles, but you need to walk it back. You need to say to him, look, there were probably times when you were 13 years old when you beat off eight times in a night and came eight times. Those were rare times. I'm not going to come three times every time we have sex. And me coming three times is not a referendum on your skills. Me coming once is plenty, and sometimes it's all I want. So just, like, knock it the fuck off, okay? And then every once in a while, if you just want to be a nice person and indulge him in the lie that you've already told him once, every six months or a year, come once and fake it twice and let him think that he grabbed that brass ring again, if you want to do that. I, you know, generally I'm opposed to faking orgasms, but... You've already done it once, clearly stoked him, walk it back, and then, you know, whip out your acting skills every once in a while, in a great while. Hi, Dan. Last Christmas, I was visiting my parents, and my dad asked me to fix something on his computer. He's a bit of a Luddite. And I was fixing something, and I accidentally and innocently came across some evidence that he's gay. There was some porn on there and some... It looked like love letters, emails he had obviously saved that were from, seemed like men he was in relationships with, including one uh, from a friend of the family. Good old Uncle Craig had written a love letter to my dad. So, um, now I know that this is not incontrovertible proof that he's gay, um, but it sure would explain a lot of things. And if he is gay, he's pretty well deep in the closet, considering he's been married to my mom for 40 years. So now my question is whether I say anything. Now, I'm kind of inclined to uh, keep my big mouth shut, but my husband thinks, and he feels very strongly about this, that I should say something, that my dad would be relieved. He would be happy to know that I know and I'm okay with it and I'm okay with him being in the closet if that's what works for him because I just want him to be happy, whatever that means for him. Um, The argument for keeping my big mouth shut is that – Clearly, I don't know the whole story here, and he's kept it from me for whatever reason. And, I mean, I don't know what the situation is. Maybe mom knows, too, and they have an arrangement. Maybe other people know, and he's chosen not to tell me. I don't know why. And, you know, who the fuck am I to to take that away from him? So we decided to leave it up to you, Dan. Uh, We're seeing them again uh, Christmas this year. We're not terribly close. You know, see them about once a year. And um, so you, if you were in your 60s and closeted, would you want to know that um, that your only kid knew that you were gay, even if she's totally cool with it and wants you to be happy? Is that something that you would want to know or something that you'd rather take to your grave? Let me see if I can role play this a little bit and we can uh, try to imagine how this conversation would go on Christmas Eve. Dad, I know that you've kept this secret. I know that you're totally closeted and you don't want anyone to know you're gay. And I know you're gay. And it's fine that I know you're gay and closeted and you don't want anyone to know you're gay. But I know you're gay and closeted and don't want anyone to know you're gay. But I'm fine with that, with knowing that you're gay and closeted, right? Merry Christmas! Leave it alone. You don't know... What goes on in your parents' marriage? You don't know what sort of accommodations they've made for each other. You don't know. And 40 years into a marriage is not the time to be flipping over rocks of this size. Leave it alone. Your dad came of age at a time when options for guys who were gay were really limited, and he made certain life choices, and he's lived with them all his life. 
And he has a right to some privacy, a right for a little respect and consideration for circumstances that he was in at that time that were beyond his control. And he made decisions about how he was going to live his life under duress. And you have to respect that and you have to respect his privacy and you have to leave it the fuck alone out of consideration for your mother's feelings, out of consideration for your father's feelings. What if you threw this out on the table in front of your mother or threw it out in your father and it provoked some sort of colossal life crisis that brought down the house of cards that is otherwise their functioning, satisfactory, will take us through the end of our lives marriage. Would you really want to be responsible for that? Would you really want to do that to your parents, to their marriage? I don't think so. So leave it be. It's not your business. It's none of your affair. Let it go. Hi, Ben. Um, I have a question for you. Uh, I just got out of my first like, really long-term relationship. Uh, it was about three years off and on. What ended up happening a lot was that she would break up with me and then big grand romantic gesture show up somewhere um, because we've been long distance uh, for a long time. And my question is, is that I mean, I'm having a really hard time uh, moving past this, but I think it's coming with time. But really my question is, is that I, I don't really feel like I fit into the gay community so much. I don't have a problem with being gay. Like, I don't feel like, you know, I mean, I'm very out to everyone. It's not, but it's just not how I identify myself to people. Like, it's not something that I wear so much. Um, and I'm just wondering what that means as far as, like, finding another partner. So about your girlfriend, your ex-girlfriend first. I'm going to talk about that for a second. Yeah. She isn't sure what she wants, those grand romantic gestures. All we really know that she wants is to jerk your ass around. Right. And you're well rid of her. Somebody yeah. breaks up with you and sweeps back in and breaks up and sweeps back in. That's exhausting. You just need to, like, tell that person to fuck off. Yeah. And it sounds like you've done that, so good for you. Um, about your statement that, you know, you don't really feel like you fit in the gay community, mm. you know what never comes up? Uh, you only hear that from gay people. There's a lot of straight people out there who don't feel like they fit into the straight community either. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of straight guys who don't feel like they're really good straight guys. They're not, you know, into sports or whatever, or they're perceived as not necessarily all that masculine. And nobody really fits into either the straight or gay community totally, uh, with total comfort and ease. Um, there are people out there who you may look at and think, oh, that, you know, look at that dyke over there. She moves, you know, effortlessly and without friction through the gay community. She is totally comfortable and identifies with it. And inside, in her head, she may be dying yeah. and uncomfortable. Um, the thing that you have to do if you want to find another romantic partner is, you know, you don't have to, like, wear a hat that says lesbian and flashing electric lights. But you got to put yourself in places where there are going to be other lesbians, yeah. Even if it makes you feel stupid that you're just there to meet women, because that's why that's what those places are there for, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Gay bars are full of people who want to meet the love of their lives, so that they never have to go to a gay bar ever again. Yeah. That makes sense. I met my my boyfriend is like the topic of the show today. Uh, much to his <laughs> I met him at a gay bar, and we rarely go back. 
You know, we, yeah. we, we were gay guys in the gay bars who were like, oh, my God, I can't live in a gay bar. I hate gay bars. And you know what? If you could go to straight bars and listen to what's going on in the heads of 90% of the people in, like, straight pickup joints, which are really the parallel to gay bars. There are gay bars that are pickup joints, straight bars that are pickup joints, and then there are just bars, which, yeah. which aren't about sex. They're about pickling your brain, right? Yeah. If you could listen to what's going on in the heads of 90% of the people in, quote, unquote, straight pickup joints – they would be going, oh, my God, I hate this place. I don't fit in. I'm miserable. I just want to meet somebody and get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And that's all you got to do. You just got to, like, accept, you know, this is the cross you have to bear. If you want to meet women, if you want to have another lesbian partner who's not so crazy, <laughs> you got to go where the lesbians are. Yeah. Yeah. And challenge your internalized homophobia around that, around saying, you know, I don't want to wear it on my sleeve. I don't want to, this. This isn't all of who I am. What you're doing partly is saying, all those other lesbians in here, this is all who they are. Yeah. They're not as deep as I am. They're shallow lesbian-identified lesbians. I am better than that. It's really kind of a, an internalized homophobia game that people play, and you need to wrestle with that and drop it. Yeah. I guess I just feel like, um, I don't know, whereas, like, I go to a school where there are a lot of lesbian women, and, like, my friends will try and set me up, and they will come up to, you know, like, people will go up to my friends and be like, do you know anyone who, like, you know, who, they're just, like, really vulgar about it and very, I don't know, and I just feel like I don't. The lesbians that don't, like appeal, not, the lesbians that don't appeal to you are vulgar about it. Yeah. Those are the lesbians you notice. You sound kind of like a straight person who says, God, I just hate gay guys. They're all so flaming. <laughs> so, well, no, those are the ones you notice. Yeah. And the normal guy, gay guys who the, their gayness isn't the first thing you notice about them. You don't even think uh, anything about them. You don't even think they're gay, so they don't offend you. Like, there are lesbians out there who aren't like that. They tend to sometimes be a little older and calmer. When people first come out, they kind of go through their lesbian and gay fraternity stage. Yeah. Where they feel like they have to be super dyke and super fag. Just yeah. like the way frat boys feel like they have to be super straight dude. Because they're trying to prove something to themselves and everybody else. But, you know, a couple of years people calm down. I guess I just have a hard time feeling like in order to be a gay person I have to, like, live in that. What do you mean What do you mean by live in it? You have I don't to, know. You have to be out. Yeah. You don't have to live in all gay environments all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, a gay bar, as I've always said, are like Israel, and I'm like a Jew. <laughs> uh, I'm happy to have a homeland. I don't want to live there. You know, most yeah. American Jews are really happy that Israel exists, but they're not clamoring to emigrate. Yeah. You know, I'm happy that there are these places and spaces that are majority gay where I can visit and feel that energy of being not the minority in this space and in this time. But you don't have to live there. Yeah. And most gay people don't. Some gay people go through that stage, that frat stage, when they first come out, where they do because they're trying to, you know, heal whatever wounds they've still suffered from high school, where they were all by themselves and all alone and the only queer. Yeah. And they want to clump up for a while and build build up their confidence so that they can return to the real world where they're going to be in a lot of situations where they're the only queer again. Yeah. That's how my boyfriend feels every day when he drops her kid off at school. All right? Yeah. Just chill out. How old are you? Um, I'll be 21. Oh, chill the fuck out. Chill the fuck out. There's a million I... dykes out there for you. You'll meet calmer, more secure dykes. If you live in a big city, you can meet dykes who aren't on your campus. Oh, yeah. I mean, I live in New York City. It's not... Oh, for fuck's sake, I... stop complaining. No, no, no. I'm not complaining. I, I just, like, I... I'm, like, so in love with this girl. Fuck who... that girl. She's a jerk. 
I know. Someone who says, I am not sure what I want, has just told you that they're pretty sure they don't want you. I know. And you should take that to heart so that that person can't wound you anymore. I know. Thank you so much, Dan. Bye. A few weeks ago, somebody called in and asked if having kids always destroyed a couple's sex life. Uh, and so we just tossed that out there. It didn't destroy mine, but we tossed that out there to see what people had to say, yes or no, having kids, good or bad, for the old sex life. Here's some of what people had to tell us. You know, before you have kids, things are, like, really great and they really suck. But after you have kids, things are amazing when they're right. I mean, it's like a whole body experience. And when they're wrong, I mean, it sucks the life out of you. When you have a child, you are forced to be completely selfless with not just that child, but with your partner as well. Wrecks your mental health. You're going to be tired. You're going to be exhausted beyond all belief. But then when I gave birth, it was the most amazing moment of my life when they put my daughter on my chest after she was born. It was like a lightning bolt of love of first sight. And I have to say, it's been really fucking awesome. If they really need to test it out, they should get a dog. Creates a dynamic that is really hard to navigate for quite some time and is really not fun and kind of painful. Having her, even though it's been really difficult, is the single most rewarding thing that I have ever done in my life. Never ends. It's really hard. Uh, we just couldn't handle the pressure of parenting together. And our sex life was pretty much over. They bring you down as far as you can possibly go, and they make you as happy as you can possibly be. It brings it brings a light into your life like nothing else. It also strengthens the relationship because you've got this person that you are committed to being a partner and a team, and you are doing it together. You are you are working for a common goal takes a lot of what like courage and a lot of hard work a lot of money every time i have to get up at 3 a.m because my son is crying because he took his diaper off in the middle of the night and is covered in his own shit and when i turn the light switch he tries to rub his eyes with his shitty fingers <laughs> every time something like that happens and i really wish he and i and my wife never on the planet was dead every time something like that happens i'll come home from work and he'll hear the latch on the door and from four rooms away, scream, Daddy, and dum, 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 come running to the front of the house and give me the strongest possible hug his two-year-old arms can. And you go, okay, I guess we don't hate you that much. <laughs> Dare I say that it's made a relationship even stronger. Everything people tell you that's horrible with having kids, 100% true, times 12. However, everything people tell you that's good about having kids, 100% true, times 1,000. So it looks like having kids can destroy your sex life or it need not destroy your sex life uh so individual results may vary it's up to you seems to be the message we're gonna leave it there that concludes this installment of the savage love cast 206-201-2720 is the number if you'd like to record a question for a future show try to keep it under a minute or two and leave us your phone number so we can give you a call back if we have a follow-up question and uh that's it me and the tech savvy at risk youth we'll be back at you next week with another installment of the savage love cast thanks for listening 